0: For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom ready to give up. Get ready because it's going to get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by the Fail Coach. And again, we're doing an interview, and today I have Calvin Wayman here with me as a guest. And uh, without any uh, further ado, I will uh, say, Calvin, welcome to the show, and please be so kind and introduce
0: yourself to the audience. Hey there, man. Uh, good to good to hear you again. This is like the second time we've had. Well, not on this podcast, but the LinkedIn Live. So I'm super honored to do that, and then also be on your podcast. So thank you. Uh, but uh, to introduce myself, I'm just uh, I'm a 31 year old regular dude who a few years ago decided to uh, jump into the life that I actually always wanted to live and design it the way that I wanted to design it. So I quit my day job cold Turkey just a few years ago. And it just been on a wild ride ever since uh, doing things anywhere from like door to door sales to online uh, businesses, stuff with social media, online products. And I think the thing that uh, people like remember me for besides some of the content I'm currently doing like with my book Fish Out of Water my podcast and things like that is where I come from I actually grew up in a polygamous family so I have one dad four moms and a giant bunch of brothers and sisters I am one of 45 kids so have a pretty big family full of love and yeah so I I grew up in that situation and then Went to college for the first time, which was my first time ever stepping foot in public school. When I was twenty, I'm the first and only one in my family that ever went to college, which was a bit of a shock, I must say. Um, going from being homeschooled to then stepping out into the real world, um, but it's been a wild ride uh, from not only my upbringing but to just figuring figuring out how to step into this bigger world out there since college, and then stepping into the even bigger world of uh, entrepreneurship and creating the life that I want. So that's me, yeah. Awesome,
1: awesome, awesome! Really, really nice introduction. It's not so much a shocker today as it <laughs> was yesterday while we were doing the, yeah, the live. I, 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 I already. I,
0: thought, I didn't know that I did not tell you on our intro call because we had such a great intro call about adversity. I can't believe I I just slipped to not tell you that I have forty four siblings. And I looking at your face, she's like, "Wait, wait yeah. what?" 44,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like it's hard. I mean, I always wanted, uh, and and hopefully one day I will have a Mm -hmm. big family. Uh, But for me, big means maybe having four or five children. Uh, That sounds, you know, 45, I mean, that's
0: mind-blowing. Yeah, and it slowly happened. I only had 10 brothers and sisters, and I say only 10, when I was born. Um, cause I was the 11th in the family, but then, yeah, every year here comes another one or another two, and then it just slowly built over time, but having four moms and having a family that really believes in like family really helped with getting that number up there.
1: Okay. Okay. I mean, um, You'll have to tell me more about that but before we dive into that I'll I'll keep that for the end of the interview a little bit about more about uh how it is growing up okay. in such a big family. Um you love talking about a topic yes of adversity. And um yes we already did a little bit of that yesterday on the LinkedIn live but um maybe maybe we can have a different spin on it today. So I'm working with a lot of new entrepreneurs. Yeah. That's my passion. People who decide, they, they usually, they don't have a totally. clue what they want to do. They just yeah. have hunger, yeah. hunger to do something. And every single time, I haven't found yet one who would say, oh, I have everything. I have all the resources. I have all the connections, yeah. all of it. I just need somebody to guide me through this process. Um, every single time we come to the point of, let's call it, lack yep. of resources, and money is just one of the resources. You know, um, there are other resources like time, energy, connections, network, second network, trust, and so on. And it's one thing that's mostly quite difficult to for them to overcome. Um, and what I try to do with them is to put them in a place of okay. gratitude in a way where, you know, we, feel, we, we start thinking, okay, I lack this and this and this. It will be my goal to achieve that, but I have to work with yes. what I have. And so you've come from a lot of different places of adversity in your life. And lack of like resources. You said uh first time lack of resources then um going to college for the first time when you were 20 big family um um different uh different view of life where where you were raised and so on um how was all of that for you like how how did you ha- like you didn't have it all cut out <laughs> when you started like can, can, you, can you walk us through, you know, like what were some of the adversities that you had to deal with and how did you overcome them Man, that?
0: there's so many. Yeah, we brought up one yesterday. And since you, I think since you talked about resources in particular, there's one that comes to mind that helped me quite a bit when I quit my day job. And we can go back into what it was like to go to college and stuff like that. And when I realized that the world was a lot bigger, place and that shock, if we want to, in a little bit. But let's go to the resource thing because I, you you described me when you said so many of them are hungry, they want to do something, but they just don't know if they have all the resources. Well, I learned a big secret four years ago, and that is. You don't have to know all the answers. And here's something that helped me. I think it's a good idea to be in gratitude, but this is what I realized. I think that we want to know all of the steps, A through Z, to get to our final destination. The problem is if we're waiting to know all of the steps or to have everything lined up and to have all of our resources, it's not going to happen. But the really good news is you don't need all of them. Instead, like I say that we want all the steps A through Z. Well, in reality, to get what we want in life, we don't need all 26 letters of the alphabet. We only need three, okay? And I'll explain what I mean by this. This is a concept I call A, B, and Z. A, B, and Z is all you need, that if you have these three things, you will ultimately get whatever it is that you want. So what is your Z? Your Z is where you want to end up and this is just kind of a general direction this is the concept by the way that got me to quit my day job um because i realized that my z was i wanted to be an entrepreneur and then your a is where you are now where are you currently and then your b is just your next step notice that Everything from C, D, E, all the way through Z, it's unknown. I don't know those steps, right? I didn't know what I was going to do when I decided to be a full-time entrepreneur. I just had the passion and knew I didn't want to be an employee anymore. And I then just took the next step. And if I looked, I mean, we can keep it super simple. If I knew that in my core, I was dying inside being an employee and my goal was to be an entrepreneur but I was an employee. What should I do next? Well, it was pretty simple for me. Quit. That was my B. And here's the secret to this. Cause when you hear this, it sounds, it's for some people it makes sense, but it feels like it can scare them a little bit, but this is where things get cool. When you then move into the next step, then you, it just resets all over again. And now from that new perspective, you can see what is the next step from there. And this is as cliche, like, this is so true. Like this ties a little bit into my 50 mile ultra marathon story that I said on, on the LinkedIn live that people can go check out. But that is what has helped me like crazy. And I think anybody that's listening to this, that is facing adversity and wondering how to get out of it or trying to find out what their passion is. Find your A, B, and your Z. Uh, most people know those. Like Even if you don't know the, the exact destination, you at least know the direction. You know you're here and you want to go more that direction. And you know where you're currently sitting. And then just take the next step. And if you can take that next step and just trust that from taking that step, then the step after that will open up, that's when things really start to get exciting. So hope that helps for anybody that's listening.
1: Okay. What about your mindset at that time? I mean, I'm trying We're to get media, you, you know, to that point where, yeah, yeah. Well, like what was your mind mindset at that time? My mindset
0: was, again, in a place that I don't think talked about enough because, in fact, I'm going to go the exact opposite direction that I think is the common advice. The common advice that I received up to that point was, you just need to have a super strong vision and a super powerful why. And that makes sense. Um, but I needed something that was more powerful than that because I had a ton of fear. Like, what if I quit my day job and my wife and my one year old and myself end up on the street? What if I can't pay for anything? You know, so there's all this fear. So, what changed? Like, this is what changed. I'll never forget when I got to the point where enough was enough and I was a manager at this call center. So it wasn't a horrible job. Some people would kill for it. And I remember after this big management meeting that we did once a quarter, usually at the end of these management meetings, that's when we got the most excited because we just got together as a company We've made game plan. We reviewed what we did the last quarter and then made game plans on the upcoming quarter. And I remember sitting in the office after a three-day like, management retreat. I was the only one there and just not being excited about Monday, not being excited about the next three months, not being excited about my life. And the main reason I wasn't excited was just because I realized time was ticking. This wasn't the first time that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And now here I was at 26, 27 and 30s around the corner. And I'm just thinking about all these things. And i had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, well, how much, how many things have to line up to get me to actually quit or to decide to go after it? And how do I battle all these fears? after I realized how much I didn't like my situation, I then did something interesting. I projected myself 10 years into the future. And I asked my, and this is where it gets like corny because I don't know where this came from, but I tried to imagine having a conversation with my 10 year older self. And I asked advice for my 10 year older self. and was like, what should I do? And essentially my 10 year older self said, if you're ever going to, uh, If you're ever going to take the leap after something, then why not do it now? Because in 10 years, you're going to have more responsibility, not less. And then I went even deeper. I went to the darker side. I was like, what would happen if I didn't act? What if I didn't take that next step from A to B? Well, if I didn't do that, I imagined waking up in 10 years and what if nothing had changed? That aided me. And you want to know what aided me even worse, worse, brother? Like you mentioned how a lot of new entrepreneurs have that hunger, you know, that fire. I like, I see that all the time in people. I have the exact same thing. But this is what I imagined. I thought, what if because I didn't act on it, I wake up and that fire, that hunger, what if it died? What if it died because I didn't act? That aided me. And it scared me enough. It actually, the regret that I might feel, the feeling of that created a fear big enough that actually became a bigger fear to swallow the smaller fears of what if I mess up or what if I fail? So that's what my mindset was. The unconventional answer is sometimes it's easy to say, oh, you just got to have this huge positive direction. I tried that and was trying to do side hustle stuff and it didn't work for me. But what did it is I envisioned this bigger fear of what happens if I don't. And it is what – and it made my little fears just sound just like that. They were cute little baby fears of what if I mess up. And I would way rather face those than not being able to even do anything different because I was afraid to act if I didn't do anything 10 years down the road. So that's what got me to, to jump okay. in. Um, no, yeah, I get it. I
1: get it. I mean it's, it's a common saying that says – pain is is the biggest motivator for change yeah and that's
0: unfortunate because i sometimes wish <laughs> that was the you, case you, but it worked for me
1: yeah i mean you found a pain that was bigger or a fear that was bigger than the other fear and and that motivated you but calvin you often say even yesterday and i i i caught that right now um i always wanted to be an mm-hmm. entrepreneur um Care to dive into that a bit more deeper? Like what What about entrepreneurship? What about being entrepreneur um, is so exciting freedom. to you? One word, freedom. Um, okay. And how, how do you define freedom? I mean, freedom, yes, it's one word. But um, through my conversations, I see that we have very different definitions what freedom is uh, to each and every oh, one right. of us
0: freedom for me. I, I'm the basic definition. I think I've heard people say this all the time, but I just I've always wanted to do what I want when I want with who I want, you know, uh, and make an impact at the exact same time. Because what I've realized in as early as I can remember, I remember. Like something about Wayman's, my side of the family, like what's really crazy is we have ridiculously good memories. Uh, We have memories, like no joke before I could walk. And it's really crazy because we'll like talk back and forth with, I'll talk back and forth with my siblings and we'll remember stuff like conversations that we had or experiences that we had when we were like two, three, four years old. Right. And as early as I can remember, I would remember daydreaming about when I'm going to be an adult. And I always knew that I was going to make some impact on the world. Did not know what it was when I was young. I probably thought that it was going to be because I was going to be a leader in my church or something like that. And I just knew I was going to do something that mattered. And entrepreneurship has simply been the vehicle to make that happen because if I didn't have the freedom, then I can't make the impact the level that I want to make it. And honestly, probably a part of it too. The reason why freedom is such a big thing for me is, um, again, my, there were so many amazing details about my upbringing. It was honestly the best childhood anybody could ever have. Like it's so good. Like you always have people around like, you your best friends or your siblings you have four moms and your dad like in fact sometimes you wanted their attention more than not but I think you still actually if I'm being honest you had it a lot plus you had the attention of so many other people it was awesome but the one thing is it was very let's let's just call it safe but what's the word not just safe um sheltered right And the problem with sheltered was in my personality, I was always an explorer. I was always an adventurer. Like on the little farm, I was always pushing the envelope and doing things that were maybe a little bit too adventurous at some point. Like I remember getting into trouble often or getting hurt because I was doing crazy stuff like getting on the barn or climbing trees too high and falling (laughs) out. Like, uh, so I ended up having this restriction, especially as I got to my teens, where I didn't feel like I had freedom. And so I think that's where it really developed. And then, of course, I even in, as a teenager, I loved going door-to-door and selling stuff. I remember sneaking eggs out of our refrigerator to go sell them so I could have a little bit of money. But that's what got me into it. Um, entrepreneurship is just wanting freedom to do what I want and then to make the impact that I feel like I've always been why the reason I'm even born so I want to make that difference
1: what is the current impact that you I mean you know with time we grow we learn new things and even you know our vision of what kind of impact we want to make can change yes like but what's let's say the current state of what is the impact right now that you want to make in such this a world? good question? Because it's
0: always evolving, and it's weird because every day it feels like I'm always saying, "What am I going to be when I grow up?" You know, even at 31, I'm like, "What? What am I going to do differently? What's my impact going to be?" But right now, the clearest answer I have is showing people that they can. You know, I had a dramatic awakening when i went to college and realized that it's the the best way to explain it is i realized that the like life is almost like different worlds not just a bigger world like it feels like completely different worlds like the world that i was in as a kid is a completely separate world than the one that i'm in right now that goes by different rules of physics it almost feels but i remember when i started to go to college and to start reading books for the first time, I started to realize what was possible. And I started to realize how my younger self wouldn't have really known what was possible. And so what I, what excites me more than anything is seeing an impossibility become possible. And if I can have any way, any like hand in doing that for somebody, if I can, have somebody else uh, start that business that they maybe didn't know if they could start. Like it's, it's the reason I ran the 50 mile brother. Like the reason I did that was to see, to prove to myself that something that was once impossible was possible. Um, I have a YouTube show called making the millionaire and you saw yesterday that I have a beard. The reason I have a beard is because I could my like finances were always really tight in my family. And I decided that I was going to be a millionaire. And so when I would look at all these successful people that we, I put up on pedestals, I realized that all their stories that they told of their success and their journey was always told after the fact. And so I was like, man, there's so much that's lost in translation because they're going to be in like, they're just in different parts of the journey. You know, like if I take advice from somebody that's so far ahead, it may not even work for me, right? So how cool would it be if I could go back in their journey and see where they were before they had a little bit of success? What if I could learn from that? And I tried to find some sort of information or some sort of documentary on anybody that was successful where their story was told as it was happening, and it didn't exist. And so for the last couple of years, I've been documenting – a journey that with weekly episodes um, from my first like zero before I had any clients on my journey to making my first $1 million. I'm about 50% of the way there. We're approaching the 500 K mark, but it's been documenting everything from me hitting my first client to getting my first $10,000 a month to doing stuff like my 50 miler. And the reason that excites me is I want that to be, one piece of my legacy that shows people that they can because nobody knows me yet. I mean, yes, I have a cool little following on my social media, but it's just like there's 7 billion people on this planet. And what I want to do is I like when I hit the million, when I shave my beard, because shaving my beard represents that I hit the million because I'm not shaving it until the million happens. Then I want new entrepreneurs to be able to go back and watch it happen as it happened, so that they have the confidence and the courage that if this regular dude that grew up in an isolated environment can figure it out, then they can too so that 's my impact right now that i 'm focused on um, um, in everything that I do, like inspiring people that they can do it too
1: okay so you you if I understand correctly it 's mostly through sharing your own story, your own journey, um, inspiring uh, other yes. people. Yes,
0: that whatever dream that they have, like the show's called Making a Millionaire, but it's not just about making a million dollars. It's it's to, that that's my goal. And I want people to be able to say, well, if, if this is, the, maybe these there's principles that made me, that people can learn from by watching it. But yes, I want people to, have the confidence that whatever dream they have,
1: that they can make that real. Nice, really nice. I mean, that's a very positive way to influence um, others uh, through your own story or lead with examples. So you do it and then people will see what you, you came uh, across and, and how you became what they might want to be. And, and that's probably the most inspiring way to influence people. Yeah. Um <clears throat> tell me one thing like you 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 all I mean yes you you do all of this YouTubing and all of that you have quite nice following uh on your social media um what's your main business currently
0: so my main business currently is i have an online program that's around helping entrepreneurs get their finances right and it's it's funny because it's in kind of a transition because this is something that i always wanted to do because just how my core value is freedom, I want to give that freedom to other people. Because my kind of my hypothesis is if people, especially entrepreneurs, have freedom, then they're going to make a bigger impact on their world, whatever their impact is they want to make. So I have a program that helps entrepreneurs get their finances right, get debt free, and stuff like that. But it's been an interesting thing because my main business has been social media management. And I still have that business, but I've put a lot of focus and attention on this money program. And and uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a journey this year trying to get that off the ground and up and going. We've had minor bits of success, but we have a lot of opportunity and places to grow with it. But that's the main thing I'm focused on.
1: Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm just, you know, trying to dig a little bit deeper to see, um, and you know, money, um, if, if you ask me, I, I, I mean, even if you don't ask me, but the way I see how the whole freedom goes, Uh, the easiest of the freedoms is the freedom of money. And usually you achieve that one first. Mm -hmm. Then the hardest, harder one is the freedom of time because you need to learn to let go and so on. And only after you have both freedom of time and freedom of money, then comes the ultimate freedom, which is the freedom of choice. Mm. I like that. That's how I understand it. And I kind of believe that, um, you know you, how a lot of people are searching for their true purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of believe that once you have that freedom of choice, that's where your purpose finds you. That's such a good, interesting
0: point. So, 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 kind of your approach to take it is figure out a way to get the money piece right, get the money that you need in your life, then figure out a way to get your time back. And then when you have your money yeah. and your time, then go after the passion. I think that's a great model. Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, first you need to start something. And in the beginning, of course, you need to invest your, I mean, you know, nobody start. I mean, uh, most people don't have millions lying on their bank right. account. And even if you do, you know, you have no experience how to set up a team, how to do this, how to do that. Um, so it's good to go and and be in the trenches for a mm-hmm. while and and grow to a certain level, then your next goal should be processes systematizations automatizations, you and so on so so did you make it passive <laughs> yes. and then when you have the money and now you have the time that's where you have the freedom to choose to do whatever you want to do and that's where I think you know uh your purpose. Naturally finds you because uh, you are liberated of all of the worries and the stress of of other people, and you just do what naturally comes to you, and that 's usually what 's your purpose yeah, um, but you know you talk about money, and this podcast is for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. so I want to use. Uh, a little bit of that, and hopefully you agree, and you will drop some value bombs. You know, like how can entrepreneurs? Because managing cash flow, uh, managing money, uh, good debt versus bad yeah. debt, and so on, those are very critical uh, steps um, in in the making and the starting and in the making of your business. Um, so, um. Feel free to share some of
0: Absolutely. the
1: uh, value bombs that you can on, on this particular money topic. Yeah, so
0: so I think what's important to know is uh, where I came from. Before I became debt-free and ended up on the Dave Ramsey Show, I was $53,000 in debt. So I was the opposite of free when it came to money, and now – I end up creating something that I call the three P's to prosperity. Um, th- these three P's are something that I gave a TEDx talk on last year. And I think it fits nicely with your process of freedoms that you just talked about, where you need to go from one to the other to get to the freedom of choice so that you're completely liberated and can do what you want to do. So the way that I teach about money is from a very foundational level. Uh, because the number one thing that people focus on that when they're in a money crunch is they just need to make more and making more is definitely part of it. But I'm of the belief that there's something deeper that if you get right, it makes it easier to make more money and it gives you, and it makes so that when you do make more money, you're in a good spot because first of all, we know that making more money by itself is not adequate. Um, Most people that, Uh, win the lottery, I'm sure you've heard, what happens to them is, yeah, they go broke. And uh, not only do people go broke, but um, in America, the average person that gets a raise goes, like, at the end of the year, their net worth has gone down because they go deeper in debt. And there's also people that have, like, 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Most of them could not afford a $500 unexpected bill that pops up like new tires or anything like that. So these three P's that I'm about to bring up are things that give you the foundation that set you up to start making more money. So the P's I call them prepare, protect, and place. Okay. Prepare, protect, and place. So the first one is prepare. Um, we do a really good job of preparing in a lot of other areas in our life. Like we'll take a jacket with us if it might be chilly or an umbrella, if it might rain in Southern California, they even have roofs on their house, which is weird, right? Because the weather's perfect, but just all jokes aside, they still have, they still have, we we protect ourselves, but for whatever reason, we don't do a good job of protecting ourselves financially. So before doing anything, really, I'm a big believer of having an emergency fund. And an emergency fund is just something that helps you psychologically with your money. And in fact, all of these things are to help you not just from a mathematical level, but from a psychological and a behavioral level, because at the end of the day, that is what's going to make you prosperous, not just making smart decisions, but having good habits, good behaviors, because. Uh, Again, one of the reasons I realized that I was deep in debt wasn't just because I was dumb. It was because of the patterns that I followed. And these um, P's are designed to change your money patterns. And if you literally have a little bit of a cushion that you set aside, it's only job is to protect you from anything that's unforeseen. It changes the, the way that you make money decisions. It gives you a little bit more peace of mind to go do something else. Okay, so that's the very first thing. I absolutely,
1: I absolutely agree with this one. And after my comeback from those huge debts that I had in my past, yeah, and yours were like uh, millions the first of dollars, thing I, right? Yes, um, uh, it ended up being seven million with all the interest and all of that. Wow. Um, and the first thing that I created was uh, a, a little fund. That's stashed away from me even almost impossible for me to get to it or at least buy something with it online or something, so it's hidden so um, in in a secure uh, and and it can sustain my current lifestyle for one Beautiful. year because I know that in one in in one year I can create like just about anything yeah. um, and and so that's there for one year at my current lifestyle, and so that I know that if something goes to hell, I can still go to that uh, uh, bank account and it will keep me safe for that a year. That is so
0: darn smart. And yeah, and so life isn't always a, st- a straight line. And so if you have that little bit of a cushion, it just changes things. It makes so that you don't age faster, you know, and then you can say, okay, I got a year. And then you can now make a plan, put something in place to actually execute. So that's, that's the first thing. Now... The next two P's are where things get a little bit radical. And I think it's probably more for a newer entrepreneur than somebody like you that's done super well. Um, But these, these are things that have helped me like crazy. Now, I know you're listening right now, everybody listening, but try to imagine something for a second. Imagine that I'm holding up a pail of water in front of me. So I have a pail of water. I have a hose. In the other hand and water is entering the bucket but there's also holes poked around the bucket and water is leaking out now if if i were to ask someone how much water is actually leaving this bucket well the problem is you actually don't really know the only thing that you can really perceive is how much how much water is in the bucket at any given time, right? If the water f- flow from the hose slowed down, then the bucket's gonna go lower because mm-hmm. there's holes leaking that's making it leak. Or if I turn up the hose, then it's gonna, then it's gonna fill the bucket even though there's little holes at the bottom where water's leaking out, right? Following me so far? Yes. Now, yes. again, if this is what this bucket represents, and this bucket represents most of our checking accounts. So we have money going in and the little holes represent money going out. And this, again, this is the big issue with this. This is how we make money decisions is depending on how much is actually in the bucket at that particular time. We actually do not per, we don't perceive and feel exactly how much money is actually leaving. And this becomes a big problem because if you, if the water flow or the money flow doesn't come as, as frequent, then it's really easy for that bucket to completely drain. So this was a big thing for me early on in my entrepreneurial journey. And uh, what happens is we know some of those holes because we deliberately made them. Maybe one of the leaks is people taking out rent or, somebody that your, somebody, your bank's taking money out for the car payment and stuff like that. But what I'm a big believer in is becoming not only in full control, but actually feeling what's happening with your money. And so the second P is protect. And what do I mean protect? I'm talking about protecting your money and protecting your main income account. So how do we solve this problem? Well, this is how. You do two different things. In your main checking account, normally, you have money going in and money going out. And unless that you are living with your numbers all the time, which not very many people are, we don't have time, we have to be building a business, we don't really know exactly what's happening with our money. So something that I recommend is separating those two functions of income and outflow. Now, let me give some details on this. So what you would do is literally open up a second checking account so that... Any automatic payments that you have only come out of an outflow account, which means it would be impossible for any money to leak out of your income. That the only way for any money to ever leave is if you go in there deliberately and like transfer it to something else. What that does for you is it gives you a sense of control because you now know what the money that you have in your income is money that you have and nobody can come take it from you. What it also does is when you transfer it to that outflow account, so what do you put in the outflow? Anything that was an automatic payment.
1: like You are much more mindful how how your money get, is
0: getting spent. Beautiful word. Yes, you are much more mindful. You are much more aware. And when people do this process, it's amazing uh, what you spot. Because what you're doing is you're now being deliberate, saying I'm transferring it from this to this. And so you know where that money's going. You also know that however much is in that outflow account, that is now money you cannot touch. And when you have money set aside like that, that you know that's considered gone money. You're just waiting for the landlord to come take out his rent money or you're waiting for the cell phone company to come take out the cell phone bill. That by itself is going to change the way that you make decisions and behave around your money. Because you now know, that's a good one. You now know that the only money you can touch is the money that's left in your income account, and you also know that nobody's coming to take that money. So that's money you can actually do something with. So this is a way to. Meet. No, that's
1: that's a good one. That's a really good one. I mean, I teach my students how to start cash flow management from day one, and. Uh, I always tell them like uh, you should have two ways of managing cash flow. One is on a monthly basis, and then one is on a weekly basis. Mm. But this is this is this is a good idea with having two bank accounts. That that's a good yeah. Way. It's a
0: very just very tangible, literal way to stay in control of your money. Now,
1: very visual. Yes,
0: very visual. And again, and then the, I think the third one you'll see how this makes it intentional as well. The third one is the most radical. I'll say. So the third P is place. So what is placing? Placing is is replacing or graduating the concept of budgeting. Okay? So I think budgeting is useful but inadequate. And let me tell you what I mean. A budget to me is like a diet. Okay? It's like saying this is the plan I want to stick to. Agreed? So, but most people think that a budget is enough, but thinking a budget by itself is enough is like thinking that if you just had the perfect diet, you would automatically lose weight. Right. And you and I both know that that's just not how it works. And the reason I think diets a good example is again, money and being good with money isn't just about numbers. It's about behavior. So what can you do instead of just planning and budgeting with the things that you want to spend money on? Well, at this stage of the game, again, you will have two separate accounts where you have all of your monies in your outflow that people are just going to come take it. And then you have a little bit of money that's left in your income account. What do you do with that income account? Well, I believe in doing something that is completely radical compared to what everybody else says. I say, take that income account and your goal, by the time you're done doing your finances, whether it's on a weekly or a monthly basis, your goal is to get that income account to zero. Now, before people freak out, what do you, What am I talking about? Get it down to zero. What are you doing? You're placing it. And what I mean by placing it is you're literally in advance giving every dollar something to do because money's meant to do something. Money's meant to have a purpose, but money is also slippery. And when we don't give our money something to do, it slips through our fingers and easily finds a new owner. And so what placing does is you are in advance saying, if you're doing finances for the next week or the next two weeks, you're saying, I'm going to take this much and put it towards food. I'm going to take this much and put it towards uh, fuel. Like you get to decide. And then something cool really starts to happen when people really do this. When people really start placing or they hear about the concept, they're like, First of all, I can do that. Like, it's essentially spending your money at once. I'm good at that. So, I'm, I'm already good at spending. So, this is a cool way to hack it. But then they're like, well, how much should I put towards food? How do I know how much I should put towards all these other things? And when you start asking, Again. Nobody, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, again, you become much more mindful because when you go throughout the day and you pay something here and a sandwich there and a coffee here, and you, you don't have that sense that money is leaking because it's five bucks, ten bucks, yep. twenty bucks, and so on. But at the end of the month, that can accumu- accumulate to quite a few hundred bucks. Yes. And when you do it your way, um, because you are faced with the reality of the number well this is how much I have left yes and then when you start thinking okay so food this much this this much you start making much better choices much more mindful choices yes I like it I love it I love it yes but um I have to ask you, okay, so you're placing it. What does that, I mean, are you you physically then opening 10 accounts, one for food, one for for that? The short answer is yes.
0: And people decide, well, like, isn't that more complicated? How many do I need? People can decide how many accounts they need, but in most countries you can open up even on slow, low amounts up to 25 accounts, which I think that's enough. Um, But, Yes. So what I physically do is for the, the accounts that I need, I literally open up a new account for those things. Now. um, So what that's doing again, is it's giving you awareness because you are physically moving it to those accounts that are named. So I have an account that's called food. Now people can do this different ways to make it simple because you might have a food account. You might have food and transportation are the two most everyday used items. So if you have one account for those two things, then you pretty much just still only need to use one debit card. And that same debit card could be considered like an expense account, but you're also going to have, let's say, miscellaneous expenses or like office supplies, let's say. And I still have an account for miscellaneous and office supply things, but I also have access to my phone. So if I know I'm going to Staples or I'm going to the store to get something then I'm, I still want to stay within my budget, right? Or with within what I placed. So I look into how much I have in that miscellaneous account and whatever the bill is, I can just transfer it over to my main expense debit card. So when I swipe it, I'm good. So everything's accounted for and it's accounted for in advance so that you're not just tracking your money at the end of the month when it's too late, when you've already made the decision and it's hard to adjust, right? Right. So again, this is a way to be in front of your money instead of behind it, and a way to be intentional instead of just being reactionary. And the main point that I also wanted to make is when people do this, they start wondering how much should I put towards these different areas? And when you're doing that, when you really ask those questions, you essentially have arrived because what you've done, and I I, I would love to hear your feedback on this because I think you'll agree, like one of the very best things that separates People that end up being wildly successful and the ones that aren't isn't intentions, isn't even smart all the time. But people that are heads and shoulders above have developed the habit of making decisions with their money for the long term, holistically. Whereas usually people that are struggling are making it in the short term in isolation. I wanna go buy that sandwich right now. And don't see how it accumulates over the long run. And when you placed I, I, it, they just put you in this position to where you're making a decision about all of your money together. And your money picture is together. There's no such thing as a as no dollar is an island, you know. And uh, it all affects it, it, each other. And when you place it, it just forces you to realize how there's this whole picture, and it makes you make the very best decision for the long run. It doesn't mean don't have fun. It means you do have fun. But you don't want to have more fun than not paying your rent. But when you're placing, you, it's easy to say, you know what? I'm going to give myself $150 this month that I can blow on whatever I want, and it's not going to ruin anything else. So now you have that money that you set aside for what I call FU money or funny money that you can blow on anything and know it's not going to affect you negatively. So that's what I Absolutely. do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I call this uh, a mindset of learning or practicing delayed gratification.
0: Yes. And there's a lot of cool it, research it, it, what it, happens it, when people
1: do that. Yeah. It's all in, like, I mean, I think Tony Robbins in, in one of his books is saying that, um, you know, like, things that give you satisfaction. So we always, most of our decisions or all of our decisions, I think according to him, are based whether or on something is giving us pleasure or pain. We try to get away from the pain and we try always to go towards the pleasure. Mm -hmm. Now, the funny thing is that quite a lot of the things that give you pleasure right now are actually pain on the long run, whether that's health, money, and so on. And things that give you a little bit of pain right now will bring great pleasure on the long run. That instant gratification becomes a delayed nightmare. Yes, yes. And yeah, we live in a world where we are used to... Uh, having it all and having it now, and you know, with I don't know, like even uh, things like Amazon, you know, like uh, uh, now you you get it on the same day. I think in the U.S. and things like that. Yeah, um, I live in the middle.
0: Even, of, I live in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. Like my neighbors are cactuses, pretty much. And what's crazy is I just bought something this week, just over a, a week ago, and it got here in a day and usually things like living out here like i have i kind of assumed in the last three years that if i was going to buy something on amazon it was going to take at least three to four days even if it was on the faster shipping to get here and this said guaranteed one day shipping i was like what no way and it was free and they sure enough in a day out here in the middle of nowhere so it's crazy how fast it's getting
1: yeah and and all of this is is even uh creating even more of that um, not having the delayed gratification. Uh, Because um, when we make fast decisions, they're usually made through our emotions. And our emotions cloud our vision. But when we can make Decisions on the long run, then we use more logic. Yes, and yeah, when it comes to money, when it comes to health, and and things like that, you need more logic than emotions uh, because things don't have to feel right, but they are right. Like for example, maybe you love drinking beer, eating hamburgers, and all of that. So it feels good when you do it, but on the long run, it's it's not a good thing. So um, uh, not everything in life has to start being enjoyable although once you start practicing those things um and once you like i i went from from a heavy meat eater to vegan and i remember in the beginning it was like very hard you know because i was used to that if there's not a huge piece of meat plus potatoes plus uh bread that's not I I won't get full, and when even I just switched out potatoes for brown rice, I felt like oh my god! But I'm not eating anything. This is just you know thin <laughs> air. Yeah. Um, now I can have a salad, and I and I and I'm so full. Uh, but but you know it it takes some time, and and it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be enjoyable in the beginning. But some things you just need to do so that you can get then get results on the long run, good positive results. Yeah, what I love about
0: about placing as well and how this has helped me and and several students that I've helped is it's easier to get creative too because I think when people are in the short term, they don't realize how much more expensive it is because again, my wife and I have not been without fun in the past five or so years that we've done this. In fact, we've done a ton. I've traveled a ton from not just within the US but to Israel, Costa Rica, Thailand. But what's really fun for me is you can start getting creative and figure out how to do stuff that's um, that you can just... like. I'll give you an example. You might, Let's say you put a little bit toward um, a vacation or you want to do something fun with the family. So we have like a recreation account. If you have $250 that you know is in there, then you can just get creative of the type of fun that you want to have. It'd be really easy to go put $2,000 towards some big trip. But sometimes, even though it's 10 times the amount of money, it's not 10 times the satisfaction. You know, It's just 10 times the amount of money for incremental, if that. And if you can say, okay, well, I have 250 in it. What am I going to do? But then there's also been times that I have essentially been able to go on vacations for free. I do this as an example where I'm like, I just went to, I went to uh, San Diego from Arizona for a weekend. How much did it cost me? And I let my students guess um, how much it cost me outside of my regular budget, right? Because I don't usually go to San Diego. Uh, like it's not something I have a budget for necessarily. How much did it cost me to go to San Diego? And people will say 2500 bucks. like what was it? Zero. Literally cost me zero. And how did that cost me zero? Here's why. Well, first of all, transportation, Right. But in my the way I place money, I are, I'm, are, I'm always placing towards transportation already. And because I hadn't uh, driven for a while or used transportation, a little bit of a cushion built up in specifically for transportation. And so I didn't have to add any more. I already had it from a couple months of transportation. Then the other thing is food. Well... You, i got to be eating whether I'm in Arizona or in San Diego. I did not change anything by going to San Diego for food. Like I still ate from the same debit card. So that was a wash as well. So the only other thing then is stay. Well, there's a lot of things you could do from a hotel to an Airbnb. Well, I actually just reached out to some friends and said, Hey, you have a beach house. Uh, I'm thinking of coming to San Diego. Can I come stay? And they said, yes. You know, And so I stayed. And so that was a fun thing. That happened. Got to go spend an entire weekend. Cost nothing. Like it didn't change anything outside of my uh, what I was currently doing. But if I was operating out of a single checking account all the time, it would have. And when I would have gone on that trip, would I have probably swiped a few more times on the things for food? Probably. You know, I probably would have. uh, Maybe. uh, Maybe just got a hotel or something like that, and different things, but. When, when you have it set out, um, separated out, and you say, these, this is what I have for these different areas and categories, it just makes you think differently and, for me, it gives you a little bit more control and gives you the ability to be creative, to live the life you want to live.
1: So. yeah and i mean it's it's even more fun i mean i i I know for a fact because i had to i i was doing something super similar uh you know planning things out and and okay so this is for the fun this is for this this is for that and you know when you when you just go about your day and you indulge in everything and you just buy everything, nothing really has that impact but then when you uh, go for something once a week or once a month or something like that it becomes more meaningful I mean even I remember when I was younger we were constantly going out with my friends but you know after a month or two months or something it it felt really boring we were going to same clubs on same days and it was just a routine and now I, I don't go out so many times, but when I go, I have so much more fun because that's not something that I do every single day. Totally. Um, I agree with you. That's part of it as well. Ka- Calvin, I really want to, before I, I let you go, I really would love to hear a little bit on how is life with 44 siblings and four <laughs> moms
0: it's amazing. Um, honestly, it's the best thing ever. I don't even know how to describe it because I know it's really unusual for a lot of people. And again, the shock for me was when I went to college and realized it wasn't normal. When I started to realize how some people grow up without, without one of their parents and they only have one or they have no siblings. Like it's actually been really interesting to, to, uh, To see the other side of it and to see how good I had it. And so again, my upbringing was freaking phenomenal. You always have people around. I would say probably the best things are like holidays. There were some holidays that my parents didn't celebrate uh, a whole lot, but as adults, us kids celebrated more like Christmas and things like that. But we always celebrated like Independence Day. So the holidays were amazing. Um, yeah I think the very best way to kind of explain it is like having a lot of friends that are your family like if you can imagine having a bunch of friends that you had in school like you're always having a sleepover you know like that's what it was like and you just had a ton of support a ton of love all the time and yeah it's cool like I'm no longer part of that religion obviously um I'm not gonna um continue the tradition on one wife is plenty for me and things of that nature, but I've loved it. Like I'm really, really happy that somehow Providence dropped me in that kind of situation to have so many family and friends around all the time. So yeah, if you have anything else, like again, if anybody listening has any questions as well, they can shoot me on Instagram because I'm an open book about the whole thing.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, Calvin. Again, like I said yesterday, thank you. And you know, today we dived more. Like yesterday we were more centered around the story and around mm-hmm. uh adversity. Um, today, uh, we went more into the money talk and and amazing advice and I, I might uh, re- reconsider how i 'm teaching my students because I really love this idea with with uh, two or multiple bank accounts and so on so that you have that clarity and and that heart vision, not just something on an Excel sheet, but it's actually yes. physically separate. Physically on, that separate. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Because the Excel sheet, you can still go in and you can still, you know, like move things. I mean, you can move things here around as well, but it's much harder. So you you, you really have to think twice before you do it. So I really, really like this idea. Uh, but other than that, um, any final thoughts you want to share with the audience
0: done's better than perfect you know whatever it is that you want to go after you know it's easy to get caught up in perfection we talked about that a little bit um on the episode yesterday but yeah jump in uh the best things happen not from the sidelines but on the court so get on the court go get messy like get messy go try things Done's better than perfect jump in and see what you can create
1: Perfect. Calvin, thank you again. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you for sharing all of that, the stories, the family life from, from uh, having 44 siblings, um, the advice on the money for entrepreneurs. Uh, thank you a whole lot. And I just wish you it's Friday when we are recording this. So happy Friday, happy weekend and all the best in, in your online journey.